On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the EPA lists a new Model Y variant. What could it mean? Plus, Tesla increases prices across the board, in some cases by a lot. Good news for those of you still looking to get into the full self-driving beta and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you alongside Daisy the Boxer on Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This is episode 346 for March 20th, 2022. And I am recording early this week due to having some concert tickets for Friday night, which is when I usually record. My wife and I are going to see John Mayer, who I adore. He is one of my favorite musicians, period. I think he's easily one of the greatest living guitar players and a terrific songwriter in his own right. If you only know him from your from his pop hits, I would kindly encourage you, if you're curious, go listen to the album Born and Raised, which is kind of, at this point, more or less smack dab in the middle of his catalog. It's from about mm, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. That's my favorite album of his. Obviously not what he's touring on right now, but give that a listen if you only know him as the Your Body is a Wonderland guy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I mentioned that so as to say that if anything pops up on Friday when I would usually record, I will, of course, cover it for you next week. With that, let's get started with what is still, even while recording on Thursday night, a very busy week of interesting Tesla news. First up, a new version of the Model Y has been listed by the EPA. This comes via Inside EVs, who writes, We have just discovered an all-new 2022 Tesla Model Y version listed by the EPA, which brings more questions than answers. The new Model Y is called simply AWD, which, as you all know, means all-wheel drive, but it doesn't specifically list long-range all-wheel drive like the existing one. In other words, it might have the same dual-motor powertrain, but a smaller-slash-different battery pack. It lists a range of 279 miles. Now, our white hat hacker... Tesla, uh, white hat Tesla hacker friend, Green the Only, who, by the way, we'll hear more from later, corroborated this this week with his usual digging around in the latest Tesla firmware. He tweeted, quote, Texas made Model Y Q1 2022 dated standard range plus has been added. So that's what's listed in the firmware now, a Model Y standard range plus. Now that's in code, of course, that might not literally be what it's called, but that's how it's coded in the firmware. Anyway, his his full tweet is, Texas made Model Y SR plus is added. So I guess that would be the first car configuration out of that place pretty soon, end quote. So what's interesting about this to me, is is not that a standard range version is might exist here, but it, that it's still a dual motor car, an all wheel drive car, but nevertheless has significantly less range than the regular long range Model Y, which, if you're curious, if you're not aware, is rated at 330 miles of range, so a 51 mile EPA rated range difference. One theory in the Tesla community this week 
is that this is what's going to be, as Green hypothesizes, this is what's going to be coming out of Texas. But specifically a 4680-based Model Y that we know the 4680s use fewer cells but higher density battery cells. And that would enable Tesla to use as few 4680s in each car as possible in order to build as many of them as they can. So that's the 4680 theory here. Now that makes sense on the surface, but to me, if you dig a little bit deeper, I'm not quite buying it. And the reason is that first of all, uh, we've already seen, I believe a couple instances of Texas VINs, uh, Texas factory VINs, uh, although I might now, now I'm questioning if I'm misremembering that, but in any case, here, here's the other part of it, that Texas is starting from zero. So it would seem odd to me, granted I'm not a manufacturing expert, I don't, I'm not as smart as the folks that work at Tesla, but starting the factory with a new variant uh, and not also the long range and the performance, since we've already seen those being spit out of Austin as test cars. So there's that to consider as well. Now, the other prevailing theory, and this is the one that I am subscribing to, is that this is an LFP battery car. We know that the LFP cells are less energy dense than the regular nickel batteries in the 27, excuse me, the 2170 form factor cars. So that what that translates to is that the pack, the battery pack, takes up the same amount of space as the long range or performance model, but gets less range. Now that to me seems to match up here. And the difference, if we look at this, again, I said 51 miles, it's about 18%, which is also just about the same difference between the LFP base Model 3 and the nickel-based long-range Model 3, particularly when you factor in the dual-motor range penalty, not a big one, but a slight dual-motor penalty that in this comparison doesn't exist with the base Model 3 because the base Model 3 is a rear-wheel drive car. Now also, as I mentioned last week, nickel prices have spiked globally. And I'm sure that Tesla saw that coming. It is, after all, their business to know these things. In fact, Elon Musk even tweeted the following this week saying, quote, Tesla and SpaceX are seeing significant recent inflation pressure in raw materials and logistics, which I think adds a little bit of credibility to this particular LFP theory, I think. Now, the LFP pack would, yes, sidestep those nickel cost increases and allow Tesla to still maintain their per vehicle margin without necessarily having to raise prices for the umpteenth time over the last couple of years on their customers, at least on one version of their most popular car, that of course being the Model Y. Now, I have to recognize, it's also possible that this EPA listing could end up being nothing. It's There's no guarantee that this is gonna get made, Though I doubt it since Tesla went to the trouble of logging this with the EPA. So it seems like a pretty done deal. And if it's something, as I suspect it probably is, we should most certainly find out 
fairly soon, perhaps even at the Giga Texas Grand Opening coming up in just a few weeks on April 7th. Now, speaking of price increases, boy, I hate to do this, but it is deja vu all over again, as the great Yogi Berra once said. I just talked about price increases to most of the threes and the whys last week. Well, this week, every single Tesla got a fairly significant price increase. Yes, even the long range and performance threes and whys that went up by a thousand just a week ago, less than a week ago, in fact, from the time that this week's price changes were announced versus last week's. So let me give you the bad news here. The base Model 3, that LFP 272 range mile range pack, that car is now up $2,000 starting now at $47,000 before any incentives. The Long Range 3 has gone up $2,500 to start at $54,500. The Performance Model 3 up $3,000 to $62,000 base price. The Long Range Model Y up $3,000 as well to $63,000. The Performance Y also up $3,000 to $68,000 for the performance. Why? Now, the S and the X. If you're in the market for an S or an X, I apologize in advance for what I am about to say. The long-range Model S now starts at $100,000. That is a $5,000 price increase over what it was a week ago. The Plaid S. If you're looking to jump up to the Plaid That has gone up $6,000, now starting at $136,000. And I'm really feeling for you if you're in the market for a Model X but have not put in an order yet. The Long Range X is up $10,000 for a new base price of $115,000. The Plaid X is up $12,500 thousand dollars that is a one hundred and thirty nine thousand dollar vehicle now so again i hate to have to do this a second week in a row but here we are now word on the street was that tesla has been seeing a massive spike in demand over the past couple of weeks since gasoline prices started skyrocketing and perhaps that is if you'll pardon the expression fueling this Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. But for a little context here, as I think that's important, that's always important. Two years ago or so now, the base Model 3, which was then referred to as the Standard Range Plus, was $10,000 less than what it costs now. Though in fairness to Tesla a little bit here, the new LFP base Model 3 not only has more range overall than that standard range plus from two years ago did, but also because of the fact that you can charge that car regularly and reliably to 100% every day, it has significant more daily usable range. So you are getting a better car, but there is a very significant price difference uh, at at the bottom end of Tesla's pricing now. And... Uh, Still, though, 
the, the cheapest Tesla. The base Model 3 obviously is still the cheapest Tesla, but now $47,000. Now the Model Y, meanwhile, bottomed out at right about $48,000. And that is, I have to caveat that with an asterisk, that's excluding the what up to date, the very, very short-lived standard range version of the Model Y. And now $63,000. So an increase of over 30% on the Model Y in about two years. Now, as a side note, I do want to add on, a, I guess, a little bit of a happier note, not that this is uh, the best birthday present, but this week, or maybe it, maybe it would have officially been last week, but we are effectively right now celebrating the two-year anniversary, the second birthday of the first Model Ys, two-year anniversary of the first Model Y customer deliveries. So there you go. Happy birthday. Unfortunately, the price continues to go up. And, you know, I have to mention the Model S here, $100,000. If you remember back not too long ago, in fact, it was just before production shut down ahead of the refresh. So we're talking about the fall of 2020 here. At that point in time, do you remember when Elon set the base price of the Model S for the lulls, as the kids say, uh, at $69,420? That was the real price of the car, the base price of the car just a couple years ago. And again... The car you get now for that $100,000 is way better than that $70,000 version, but still. Now, I think a more apples-to-apples comparison would be the price of the refreshed S when it first came out. When it first hit, you could get one for $80,000. And the X, holy cow, huge price increases there. And I, I almost have to think, um, maybe it's going to sound like a tinfoil hat theory kind of thing here, but the X, is is Tesla actually trying to scare some buyers away from the X while they're still sorting through their production ramp challenges? I mean, that kind of price increase is just crazy. I mean, it's a crazy in terms of the amount it is. Though, I mean, it is also fair to say that prices on the new X have lagged behind the new S in terms of, you know, quote unquote, keeping up with them, as I've pointed out in the past, particularly the Plaid S versus the Plaid X. There was a discrepancy there. And I think that was probably because the Plaid, well, the new Model X period, either the long range or the Plaid, just wasn't available for a while. And so I think Tesla wasn't really worrying about the pricing, even as the prices on the new S we're inching up, but now the new X has caught up with the pricing of the new S. And again, I, I, I you know, I want this podcast to be fun and enthusiastic, but to, so not to put a, a rain on the parade here, but it's fair to point out it's only March. And as such, I just can't imagine that this is going to be the last price increase of 2022. So I guess that Elon tweet about inflation pressure that I read to you a few minutes ago was was in fact a coded message, intentionally or not, because I looked it up and that tweet came the day before 
these across the pro- the board price increases happened. So there you go. Uh, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there it is. In better news, though, those of you who've been doing the full self-driving beta safety score dance, hoping to try and get into the FSD beta, might finally have a brighter light at the end of the tunnel. Elon Musk took to Twitter to comment on somebody's post about the release notes for version 10.11, which, by the way, looks like it might be a good one due to the fact that the release notes specifically addresses false slowdowns, aka phantom braking, as well as an upgraded modeling of lane geometry, which uh, looking into it should help the car get better at real-time pathfinding versus relying on the navigation map data. So Elon tweeted, if this version performs well, again, referring to version 10.11, if this version performs well, we can probably lower the minimum safety score to 95. Now, as many of you who've been trying to get into that beta are no doubt aware, Tesla has not been admitting very many people and perhaps none at all since version 10.8 came out right at Christmas time, Christmas Eve, in fact. That is almost three months ago already. Now, the why is anybody's guess, the, the, meaning in terms of why Tesla has seemingly uh, pumped the brakes on admitting anyone else into the beta. My best hypothesis is that NHTSA, the NHTSA, as we know, started getting all up in Tesla's grill. You've been hearing me talk about that these past few several weeks. So perhaps Tesla just pushed the pause button on letting anybody else in while they were kind of trying to get the government satisfied and or out of their hair. Because remember, the plan as originally stated by Elon was to admit a thousand people a day and continue moving down from 99 to 98, 97, etc. on the safety scores, that clearly has not happened. By the way, that update to the lane modeling geometry that I mentioned was specifically called out as being significant by Elon, who said in another tweet, quote, vector lanes is a particularly significant architectural improvement to Tesla AI, end quote. I am obviously no software engineer, nor am I an AI expert by any stretch, but from my layman's understanding of this, it does seem like this is a building block for the merging of the FSD stack and highway stack that Elon has been guiding for us to expect in version 11 of the FSD beta whenever that does finally come around. If you remember back to that Lex Friedman interview with Elon, that was where Elon talked in more technical detail about the version 11 stack merge and how it was going to be a fundamental rewrite of the FSD architecture. This seems like a first step to that, which is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to getting this in my car. As of Thursday, I still have not, and a lot of the beta testers still have not seen this one. So I'll be, I'll be eager to get it. I'll be eager to tell you what I think. And hopefully it'll be any day now, but I should certainly hope that it'll be in time for next week's show, whether it's version 10.11 or 10.11.1 or 10.12, whatever Tesla ends up deciding to do with it. 
Next up this week, Autopilot Hardware version 4 might be getting closer than we thought. I mentioned Green the Only earlier in the podcast, teasing that I would mention him again, and here we go. This comes courtesy of, again, our white hat hacker Tesla friend, Green the Only, who tweeted, HW4 Hardware 4 made an official appearance in the production code with FSD Beta 10.11. While rumors were it would be very similar to Hardware 3, just with more and faster RAM, in fact, the differences appear to be more than that. Exact details remain somewhat nebulous, but the official launch is likely pretty soon. And then he adds, there are rumors that the sensor suite would change. I have some confirmation of earlier rumors of change sensor suite, but then the rumors never sit at a standstill, so exact sensor suite differences remain to be seen. And then he added again later in another tweet, new slash additional locations, meaning of the sensors and cameras, uh, new slash additional locations probability is rather high, but again, there's nothing about that in the production firmwares yet, so it might not even be fully finalized. So some good tidbits of hardware for information from Green the Only there. Now, first of all, I do want to just temper any expectations with a little, a little teaspoon of realism here, just to say there is no guarantee that this is going to happen anytime soon. I mean, remember when Green found references to a 5G cellular modem in the firmware months ago? And we are still waiting on that to show up in customer-delivered cars. That said, if Green is confident that it's coming sooner rather than later, I am inclined to believe him because he has been right more often than he has not been. And in fact... If you look at the timeline previously laid out by Elon, I went back and double-checked this. Elon had said this at Battery Day, excuse me, not Battery Day, AI Day, last August. He said, quote, Obviously, there will be a future hardware 4 or full self-driving computer 2, which we'll probably introduce with the Cybertruck, so maybe in about a year or so. And he was responding to an audience member's question during the Q&A session about that. Obviously, we're in March, and thus, we're getting close to the optimistic end of that or-so portion of Elon's estimated timeline there. Hardware 4, I mean, it certainly isn't going to show up tomorrow, but Green finding it in the code in this latest FSD beta build certainly seems like a sign that it might not be too far away after all. And when Elon said that they would likely introduce it with the Cybertruck, he was saying that at a time when the Cybertruck was supposed to be coming out this fall, fall of 2022. Obviously, that has changed, but there's really no reason for Hardware 4 to also have to wait. In fact... Given the fact, or I guess, okay, it's my opinion, but I'm confident you're not going to disagree, but given my opinion that FSD is the company's top priority right now, I just don't think Tesla's going to hold back with the hardware for rollout by potentially many months just to align with a new product launch next year that, by the way, when that product launches, the Cybertruck, it's going to be supply constrained for quite a while anyway, 
as its production ramp goes through the S-curve that Elon always likes to tell us about. So might Tesla drop it in, meaning it meaning hardware four, might Tesla drop hardware four into the S and X first, since those are lower volume vehicles? That is entirely possible, uh, particularly if it ends up taking some time before Samsung, who we already know is building the hardware for boards, is able to ramp up their production enough to supply the entire fleet at once. Now let's address the thing that you're no doubt thinking about right now, and that is retrofits. Personally, as much as I know you don't want to hear this, and I'm tr- I'm not trying to be pessimistic on this week's podcast, I'm just trying to be realistic with this stuff, but I just don't think that upgrades to our existing cars that we own now is going to be likely if the sensor suite changes, meaning that there ends up being more cameras and or sensors. And actually, really, even if there aren't more sensors, we already know that those cameras and sensors are going to be upgraded. They're going to be higher resolution cameras. So while Tesla could swap out our repeater cameras, those pop out pretty easily, the B-pillar cameras, those come out easily enough, and the front-facing camera array that's behind your rear-view mirror attached to the windshield, I have to just be honest, I doubt they will. I mean, I hope that'd be great if they did. It'd be great. But even if they do offer those upgrades, I will say, because I've seen this pop up in the community as well, so I want to just put this out there. I really doubt they're going to be free. Yes, Tesla did promise FSD on the cars we have today. If we paid for the FSD package or the monthly subscription, and so any that includes, you know, the, that you got your hardware three upgrade. But if Tesla can get FSD running on our cars now, which we know they're making great progress on because we can see it in the FSD beta today. And Elon has also said that hardware four would just produce a better version of FSD, like a better driver than our hardware three cars then I just, I have to imagine that the only way you're going to be able to get hardware for is by getting a new car. Again, I'd be delighted. I'd be over the moon to be wrong about this. But regardless, I think it's awesome news that hardware four appears to be getting fairly close now. Next up this week, a representative from the Biden administration took a tour of Giga Texas this week ahead of the plant's official grand opening coming up on April 7th. Axios reported that Elon Musk hosted Labor Secretary Marty Walsh at Tesla's Gigafactory outside of Austin during the South by Southwest festival that's finishing up. Now, the big picture here, as Axios notes, is that the visit came just ahead of that April 7th grand opening for the $1.1 billion plant, which is also Tesla headquarters. The 75-minute conversation between Elon and Secretary Walsh included inflation, American innovation, and of course, job creation in Texas. Musk said he wants to keep the conversation going. Thank you, Axios, for that report. I, for one, am really glad to see this after the back and forth that we've been seeing lately between Elon specifically and the federal government, because 
they both want the same thing. They both want more EVs on the road. So while I don't know if Tesla invited Mr. Walsh or the secretary was in town for South by and asked to see the facility, whatever the case may be, I do applaud the secretary of labor for making the trip, taking a tour and sitting down with Elon for a lengthy conversation. I'll tell you, I love hearing that it was a 75 minute chat and not just some like five minute meet and greet kind of thing. And I'm glad to hear it reported that Elon says he wants to keep the conversation going because that is the high road to take. And I'm happy that Elon is taking it because whether or not Tesla is unionized, because that seems to be a, a big thing with this administration, you know, whether you agree with it or not. But the fact is that Tesla is practicing what this administration is preaching. And they're also dragging the rest of the American car industry and really the global one into that EV future with them. That's the bottom line here. So really glad to see this, uh, this meetup and this tour and a productive and hopefully ongoing conversation between Tesla and the Biden administration. Finally this week, Elon Musk tweeting out of nowhere, quote, working on master plan part three. For those of you that may be newer to the Tesla world or not aware of what this is in reference to, I advise you to maybe press pause on the podcast right now and Google Tesla secret master plan And then after you've done that, Google Tesla secret master plan part two. You're probably already familiar with it because I do reference it from time to time. But in short, these are effectively roadmaps written out in blog form by Elon Musk. The first one is from 2006. Yes, 2006 before Tesla, long before, in fact, before Tesla had made any cars, yes, even the original Roadster, which started production in 2008. And that first master plan basically details the plans for the first three cars, or at least the first three generations of cars, because the master plan didn't mention the Model X or, you know, an SUV, but we ended up getting one. Uh, it, It talks about The Roadster, you know, that said they would basically, they would start with a low volume proof of concept sports car to show that EVs aren't boring golf carts, which everyone thought they were back then. And they had a decent reason to believe so. Uh, And then that then Tesla would then make a sedan for half the price of the sports car and then make a mass market sedan for half the price of the first sedan. And That plan, as you all know, came true almost to a T, if you'll, again, pardon the phrasing on that. Now, part two, which Elon cleverly titled part deux, was a little more ambitious when it was written, which was back in 2016, the summer of 2016. And for context, the S and the X existed at the point that part two was published. And the Model 3 had been announced and unveiled, but not had not gone into production yet. And it basically boiled down to this. I'll just read you the, 
the summary that Elon, this, these are Elon's words from the end of Master Plan Part 2. He said, number one, create stunning solar roofs with seamlessly integrated battery storage. Number two, expand the electric vehicle product line to address all major segments. And number three, develop a self-driving capability that is 10 times safer than manual via massive fleet learning. And number four, enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. And well, if we take a look at that, Five, almost six years later, the solar roof and power wall has come to fruition, but I think even Elon would agree that it's still a lot more expensive and rather limited production-wise. So we can, we can call that goal technically met, but maybe not to the degree that, that I think e even Elon would like to see on that. Now, as for the second point in part two... The product line has expanded with the Model Y being probably an even bigger hit than Elon could have even imagined in 2016. And obviously, as far as expanding the product line, we're still waiting for the Cybertruck. And the uh, also mentioned in that Master Plan Part 2 was a high passenger minibus. That never happened. Meanwhile, autonomy, still a work in progress there, but again... There is tangible progress of that in my car and in thousands of other cars in the FSD beta fleet. And then you have the robo-taxi. That still not a reality as of yet, obviously. So as Elon sits down to work on part three, I thought it would be fun here to close out the news segment before I move on to the Ride the Lightning hotline to give my predictions for what I think will be in Master Plan Part 3. First and foremost, I think it will begin and end. The big thing will be autonomy and the robo-taxi, which, I mean, may seem obvious because it's the big piece of unfinished business from Master Plan Part 2, but it clearly remains the top priority for Elon and Tesla. I also think that AI and the Tesla bot will factor heavily into Master Plan Part 3 as well. I mean, how can they not, after how much Elon talked up Optimus, as they've come to call the Tesla bot, on that last earnings call? It is clearly at the front of his mind these days. Now, I, I do imagine that Elon will not mention the Cybertruck in Master Plan Part 3, and the reason I believe that is because the master plan is meant to be a very forward-looking, optimistic outlook, uh, you know, a, a, a list of goals. And the Cybertruck is, for all intents and purposes, done. And I'm using air quotes around the word done. Tesla just has to build it, which, yes, is its own significant challenge. I don't mean to trivialize it, but that's my thinking there. Now, uh, the Roadster certainly will not get mentioned in Master Plan Part 3 either. There's not going to be a line in there that says, build a supercar to embarrass all of the gas-powered cars. And I even probably doubt that the Tesla Semi will make an appearance in there. It did, there, the Semi was mentioned in Master Plan Part 2, but again, like the Cybertruck, the Semi is effectively done, in air quotes, it just needs to be built. Now, 
In fact, I'll say this. I'm not sure if any cars, I'll put it this way. I would not be surprised if Tesla's Master Plan Part 3 doesn't mention any cars. I think factories will be mentioned and production will be mentioned, both of, you know, of the cars themselves and of the batteries. I think this Master Plan Part 3 will probably speak of needing at least one factory, if not more, on every continent with the exception of Australia, uh, Australia, the exception of Antarctica. There we go. Come on, brain. Although I don't think Australia is going to get one either uh, for reasons I've talked about on the podcast before. This, I think the population density is just uh, too low there for how for the size of that continent. Anyway, I do think Master Plan Part 3 will talk about scaling battery production. And, and the reason I think it's going to address that is because as we learned at Battery Day, Tesla has a goal by 2030 to manu- be manufacturing 20 million cars per year. So factories and battery cell production. I think those are going to be two factors that, uh, that factor in. Now, there was a line in Master Plan Part 2 that said, quote, a lower cost vehicle than the Model 3 is unlikely to be necessary because of the third part of the plan described below. And that was in reference to the robo-taxi. But here's the thing. Since that time, since Master Plan Part 2 in 2016, we did hear about a lower-cost vehicle. That was at Battery Day in 2020. And that car was the, again, air quotes, because it won't actually be this if it exists, the $25,000 car. So I wonder if that car is going to get mentioned in Master Plan Part 3. If it does, I think it will obviously bode very well for that vehicle's existence in several years from now. Although conversely, I will say, if it's not mentioned, I don't think it's necessarily a death knell for that car. The Tesla's never going to build it, but it won't exactly be a great sign either. So... Now, just to to set your expectations, it could be a little while before Elon publishes Master Plan Part 3. When he first started talking about working on Part 2 back in 2016, it ended up taking him at least a few weeks, as I recall, before we saw it, before it got published on Tesla's site. So be patient, and when he finally does publish it, I will, of course, have plenty of reaction and analysis for you, as always. All right, that is everything in a busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me. After this is the Ride the Lightning Hotline with plenty of your excellent phone calls, your questions, comments, and discussion topics coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome to the part of the podcast where I get to hear from you. It's the Ride the Lightning Hotline. You can call in any time, day or night, if you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic. There are two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record the question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can take that same call and just 
leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. I've got a nice 1-800 or 888 toll-free number set up for you that you can just call and leave a message there nice and easy. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up, it's Elena from Sweden. Hi, Ryan. Elena from Sweden here. I've been listening to your podcast for two years now and dreaming about my future long-range model wire doing all this time. And this week, I finally ordered it. It's scheduled for July, and I can't wait. I have two things I wanted to talk to you about. First, when I asked the Tesla sales rep how likely it was that my Model Y would come out of Berlin, he said not very, because Berlin would be focusing on black and white performance Model Ys at the beginning. I don't know how valid that statement is, but it would actually make sense with something you've talked about in last week's podcast, the new colors. See, I'm thinking maybe that's the reason why there still aren't any new paint colors on the configurator, since black and white would be the only two unchanged ones. Second, a slightly different topic, but still Europe-centered. As you probably know, it is legal in most, if not all, European countries to use cameras instead of side-view mirrors. Since Berlin would be focusing on Europe only, wouldn't it make sense for Tesla to apply one of their favorite life rules, the best part is no part, and remove the side-view mirrors for Europe? I'd love to get your take on this. Ryan, thanks so much for providing me with all the great Tesla content during these two long years and the even longer months to come until I take delivery. By the way, I was so, so thrilled when I heard that Daisy had made a full recovery. Wish you and your family all the best. Cheers. Elena, thank you for the kind words about Daisy and congratulations on your upcoming Model Y. I can relate to waiting such a long time for your Tesla dream to finally come true. And what I can tell you is that it's actually worth the wait. Not everything in life is. Sometimes the anticipation of something you're looking forward to ends up being better than the actual final thing when you get it. But in my experience, not with Teslas. So to answer your questions first about where your Model Y will come from, with all due respect to your sales advisor, historically they are just as likely to be wrong as they are to be correct. I do agree with you that what you were told is logical and perhaps that will prove to be the case, but the test cars that have been photographed outside of Berlin have been all of the production colors, not just black and white. So I think that somewhat punches a hole in that theory. I think you have a better than 50-50 chance of getting your Model Y from Germany, though, given your July delivery estimate. Berlin will have been operational for over three months by that point, so I like your chances. And to your other question about cameras in place of side-view mirrors for you, it wouldn't actually quite be deleting parts. Tesla would need to add screens to the inside of the cars on either side of the dashboard, and given the current component shortages and Tesla's need to keep production as simple and efficient as possible, combined with the huge backlog of demand that they already have, I honestly just don't see them introducing a major change to just the Berlin version of the Model Y like that, at least at this moment in time, even if they technically could from a regulatory perspective. But if it does happen, 
You are more than welcome to say that you told me so. Uh, thank you so much for your call, and I hope the next few months go by very quickly for you as you wait for your Model Y. Next up is a regular caller, Damon from Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Ryan. Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois here. I'm curious if you think Tesla will ever get into motorsports. I just got done watching a video from Peter Rawlinson um, from Lucid where he talked about a lot of the tech that is in some ways superior to Tesla um, in the Lucid Air and how that was derived from their experience working with the Formula E. They provided uh, powertrains for all the Formula E cars. And it just got me thinking that Tesla makes these super fast cars with all these performance uh, attributes, but they really haven't had any, um, at least factory-backed participation in motorsports. So... I, I, you see it from all the other makes at some point or another, at least, you know, the high end performance uh, manufacturers that they participate in touring cars or, you know, Formula One or whatever it is. I, I wonder, do you think Tesla will ever get into some sort of uh, factory backed racing or they'll just continue to rely on independence to kind of take their cars and do that? I think it's an opportunity for them to learn a lot and stress the technology to make it even more efficient that's usually where the efficiency comes out so all right well uh look forward to your thoughts and thanks for all you do damon i will as always be honest with you from observing this company so closely for so many years now i don't see it happening at least anytime soon now never say never of course and i agree with you that it is a learning opportunity But Tesla seems so focused on two things, which I was talking about with my uh, Master Plan Part 3 battery, uh, battery, Master Plan Part 3 predictions earlier that included battery production and autonomy. And so I just don't see them spending any brain power on a racing team. I don't even think it's a money thing, honestly, like resource wise, just talent and that talent's time and attention. I mean, sure, they've got the Plaid that has a ton of amazing engineering in it, and sure, they're building the new Roadster someday, but everything that they've done and are planning to do just makes it seem like motorsports isn't something that's on their radar. Again, I'd love to be proven wrong. In fact, if any car is going to change that, it is the Roadster. I mean, perhaps the development of that car might finally inspire Tesla to get into motorsports. We shall see. Damon, thank you as always for your calls. Next up, we're going to stay in the Midwest and talk to Dubs from Cleveland. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, Dubs from Cleveland. Uh, Long time no talk. Uh, Got a question for you in the audience. Uh, See if other Tesla owners are noticing any kind of spike in... EV or Tesla hate rate recently. Um, my wife drives a Y. She's had people uh, flick her off now that the gas prices are up. Um, I recently just had a similar experience myself with somebody kind of yelling out at the window. Um, and it's kind of a baffling thing. I'm, I'm more shocked than anything. Uh, so was wondering like if you've had any of this experience with the gas prices rising 
um, or anyone in the audience has and how are we handling this like right now I'm in the kind of the, like I said phase of baffled um, and just kind of drive away shaking my head that these people don't understand that you know this is these are American cars this is how we get off of our oil independence we've got this option now uh, but people just are angry which is understandable but don't take it out on someone who is creating a solution for this so uh that's it anyway anyways uh love the podcast uh give daisy a pat and looking forward to your response thanks dubs always good to hear from you and i'm sorry to hear of both you and your wife experiencing some tesla specific rage by the sound of it I mean, gas prices out here in the San Francisco Bay Area are are just as crazy. In fact, just today, I drove by the Chevron station that I always used to fill up at, and it was $6 for regular and $6.30. I think it was like, you know, $6.29 or whatever for premium. And I have never, I, I pay attention to premium because that's what my last car took. I have never seen it this high in the almost 20 years that I've lived here. But but anyway, uh, I have not personally experienced any negativity, thankfully. But I also have to acknowledge, as is often something I need to remind myself <laughs> in, as much as all of you guys, is that I live in the Tesla bubble here. This is a very Tesla-friendly area. And the San Francisco Bay Area in general is not only very accepting of Teslas and EVs, but it's also a very affluent area, too, in general. I mean, hey, you know, Silicon Valley and all that, you know. So what that means is that all of that combines such that you see a lot of Teslas around. But again, I don't pretend that the San Francisco Bay Area experience is the normal experience. It's definitely not. The only thing I can say is that if you have the opportunity to talk to somebody that's behaving this way to you, which, I mean, certainly isn't the case while you're driving and somebody's yelling at you, is to, you know, maybe try, if the if you think the opportunity is safe and you feel comfortable, politely asking them, hey, you know, do you have any questions about the, the car? You know, would you like to see the car? Would you like to sit in it? Would you like to check it out? I mean, if you invite them to come and check it out, to sit in it, I think that is going to have a, a very high probability of disarming most people in terms of their you know, aggressive tone right off the bat. And, and hey, let me be clear. If you don't feel comfortable with that, certainly do not do it. Every situation is different. But otherwise, I guess the only thing you can really do is ignore them and back off, let them drive on by you. Don't floor it or make any kind of aggressive move that could be interpreted. You know, if you're trying to get away, it's, oh, well, this guy's trying to show off his EV power. I mean, you know, don't do anything like that. Just kind of hang back and let them, let them get on with their day. But in any case, I hope things get better for you out there. Next up, Jason from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Ryan, this is Jason from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I love the podcast and everything you're doing. I love video games, so I've known you for a long time and your excellent work at IGN. Anyways, I've, I commute to work on a 2,000-watt electric bike, and it's so much fun. So I'm not at the point where I need a Tesla, but what I've also done to really help the environment because, I mean, that's what this is all about, really. Uh, I switched to all electric power tools, lawnmower, 
and I've had no range problems that are way more powerful than gas power tools, leaf blowers, and actually fun. I don't mind, you know, blowing the leaves with these things. So I uh, just want to throw that out there to, you know, everyone because those uh, lawnmowers, gas-powered lawnmowers, they pollute so much emissions right out the back, no emission controls, and they pollute more than a car. Um, so I, you know, want to remind everyone of that and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate the PSA there, and thank you for sharing your experience. Jason is not lying, by the way, about the pollution factor of gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers. I I know this because I was just reading about it recently. California just passed a law, uh, not long ago at all, banning gas-powered leaf blowers specifically. I don't know the full details, but apparently there is, as part of this bill, a fund being set up to help people that work in that in, in an industry of landscaping to be able to replace their gas-powered gear with electric gear. Personally, I have a uh, postage stamp for a backyard here in San Francisco. Uh, there is some grass on it, so I do need to mow it. And I've got a, uh, cord- a corded mower. I got rid of my gas-powered mower many years ago. Bought the electric one, but again, it's uh, you know I just have to use it with an extension cord, which is not that real, not that annoying in the grand scheme of things. But if and when it ever needs to be replaced, or if I move somewhere with a with a well, I move somewhere at all, I don't think I would necessarily take this mower with me. But I would definitely go with a battery powered electric one for sure. So happy electric motoring, Jason. Eh? Eh? Sorry, I, I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist the ba- the dad pun there. Uh, <laughs> taking us home. Oh, man, I'm, I'm laughing at my own jokes. You know, it's the show is, needs to end here at this point. I got to wind it down. The final caller this week is Chris from Chicago. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan, Chris from Chicago. Just want to say thanks for that uh, NHRA uh, restrictions uh, update. Uh, that's something I've actually been dealing with over the years quite a while. Uh, my, my other car, uh, an, I have a 95 Mitsubishi Eclipse. Uh, turbo all-wheel drive and that has a lot of modifications to it Uh, but that when I would take it to the quarter mile and run it they would give me the same kind of song and dance of you need a roll cage because it's you know it's so fast and so the first time I took my s to the track like well I you know they ask you what do you think you're gonna run like oh I don't know knowing full well that I would get one run in and then I would be ejected and so yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. I ran, I think, an 11 flat at 118 or something, and yeah, they I had to go talk to the uh, the guy in the tower, and they, <laughs> you know, slap on the wrist and all that. It's silly, but that's great news. So that m- might uh, allow me to go to the uh, quarter the quarter mile track more often and multiple runs of the same day. So thanks for the update, Ryan. Love the show. Bye. Chris, I'm happy to help. That's what I'm here for. News you can use. Uh, In all seriousness, though, I know a lot of Tesla owners like to go to the drag strip. I am one of them because these cars are point and shoot. It's relatively pretty easy to launch them down the quarter mile drag strip. And it's just so much fun to sail past 100 miles an hour in a professional private track environment where everything is as safe as can be. It's sanctioned. It's controlled. Have fun out there. 
All right, that'll wrap it up for this week's Ride the Lightning Hotline. But again, I welcome and invite you to participate and be a part of the podcast. You can call in in one of those two easy ways that I mentioned at the top of the segment, and I gave you the instructions on how to do it back there as well. So refer back to that. And with that, I will take a very short break and come back with your pro tip of the week and a little bit more right after this. How about an entertainment recommendation before I give you your pro tip of the week? I'm going to go slightly out on a limb here because it's only a couple episodes into the season as I record this. But I'm going to go ahead and recommend Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. You know, if you don't have Paramount+, Plus, you could just jump on the seven-day trial and watch. You could probably binge the whole thing because there's one season and the first two, I guess by the time you hear this, the first three episodes of the second season. The first season, well, let me preface by saying Star Trek The Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek. I think Picard's my favorite character. I think uh, Patrick Stewart is incredible. I just love that guy. And so I was so excited when Star Trek Picard got announced. Like, we were going to get another, spend some, we were going to get to spend some more time with, with Jean-Luc Picard. And boy, that first season, if you, if you haven't seen it, I thought it was... Uh, let's just say very up and down and very down by the end. I did not, I thought it really flamed out on the landing, but the first couple episodes of season two, pretty good. I'm liking it. So I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic and recommend it and hope that it continues to have a good second season. So if you're a Star Trek fan, check that out if you have not already. And you know, while you're on Paramount Plus, I may have mentioned this already, but Star Trek Lower Decks, which is an animated comedy, Yes, a Star Trek animated comedy. That is really good. That's just straight up for sure. There's no mystery. It's excellent. So maybe you won't like Star Trek Picard, but if you already have a seven-day trial or a one-month subscription going to Paramount Plus, you can at least you can you can enjoy Lower Decks, and you'll you'll feel a little better about about the time you've spent. All right, time for a pro tip of the week. It comes from Darren in Roanoke, Virginia. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to offer a pro tip that really helped me out of a crisis this morning. So if you're fortunate enough to have a Tesla, a garage and a home link, then this could save you from getting locked out of your house like I was this morning. So our front door has a code to unlock it. And when I got back from walking the dogs, the code would not work because the lock mechanism was jammed. And no one was home, and all I had was my phone on me. So after freaking out for a little bit, I opened the Tesla app, pressed the controls and the home link button in the bottom right-hand corner, and my garage door opened, and I was able to go inside. (sighs) What an incredible feature. Um, So I hope it helps somebody else save themselves from a crisis like it did for me. All right, take care, Ryan. Have a good one. Excellent tip here, Darren. Now, theoretically, you could also use this to say, let a neighbor put packages in your garage while you're not at home as well, so that they're not left on your doorstep. But yeah, this is an excellent tip to remember in a pinch for those folks who did have the Homelink module installed in their cars. Sadly, Tesla stopped including these in every car a few years ago, though you can still buy them and have them installed by the service center after delivery. If you've got a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, 
I love to be educated. I love learning stuff from these pro tips of the week. So please send them in. If you've got them, you can send them in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And with that, let me just say hello and thank you to some friends of the podcast that can hopefully be of use to you. Starting with abstractocean.com, as I always like to say, the Costco of Tesla aftermarket accessories, just virtual aisle after virtual aisle of cool stuff from lighting kits to center console and window switch, you know, rhino covers, different patterns, different wraps on there. Uh, the fourth generation tempered glass screen protector with the antimicrobial coating and the aluminosilicate glass, which is the same stuff that Corning uses for Gorilla Glass. All that, so much more. You got to just go and check it out. Browse by your car, like whichever Tesla you have. Just click on, you know, Model 3 or Model Y and just see everything they've got. And when you've got everything you like in your virtual shopping cart, when you get to check out, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST and you will get 15% off of your first order. So thanks so much to Abstract Ocean for continuing to offer that nice, generous discount to the Ride the Lightning audience. And don't forget about the snap plate for all four Teslas, 3, Y, X, and S. You can get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Again, that's everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that you want to use if you are in a state, if you either want or are required by law to have a front license plate on your car. It snaps on and off in seconds, but when it snaps on, it snaps on very securely. It doesn't tape to anything. There's no adhesive, which is what happens when you use the one that Tesla gives you with the car. You can take it off for car shows, for washing your car, put it back on real quick. Just keep the tool in the in your glove box, put it back on at like parking meters to avoid tickets there, or if you're going to be going through a, you know, a toll or a bridge, something like that. So grab yours. The snap plate is the way to go for front license plates rather than the default thing that Tesla gives you with your car. Hey, how about budget safe solar? If you're considering solar for your home or business, yes, definitely, of course, give in, get in touch with Tesla, see what they've got for you. But why not also reach out to budget safe solar? It's a friend of the podcast. They reached out. They were, uh, you know, kind of explaining the deal to me. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm happy to mention this to the audience. Their deal is that they take the time to understand your specific situation. Is every house is different. The not just the how your roof is or how big your roof is, but where the trees are, where the lighting comes from. There's just so many million different things. How much power do you need, etc.? How many panels? So they're going to work with you to find the best option. They're independent consultants. So they have a, a just a large variety of solutions to, <laughs> of, you know, just a big knowledge base to pull from. And hey, if you're also interested in joining the growing solar industry, you can also learn more about that with them. But either way, the website is budgetsafesolar.com. And if you are going to go ahead and purchase solar, don't forget the referral code RTL. Please use that referral code. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, my detailer, and uh, for my money, the very best of a lot of talented detailers here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you're going to be here with your car in this area, why not treat yourself and your car 
to some time at Immaculate Reflections, whether you're doing paint correction to get that paint job looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you wanna do paint protection film over the front of the car, the front of the car and the rockers down low, rocker panels, the whole thing, whatever you wanna do, that's an option. Uh, maybe you wanna do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next mm, three to five years or so. Maybe you wanna do a combination of all that stuff and, and kinda get a couple of those things. But in any case, if you do book service, with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. Just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there's a nice little discount waiting for you. So thank you to Jeff for offering that. The way to get in touch is through Jeff's website, which is irdetailing.com. If you need a dash cam or sentry mode setup, a nice USB uh, device that's gonna last a while and not just flame out, which is what happens with the regular USB flash memory sticks because dash cam and Sentry are constantly reading and writing. So regular USB sticks are not really the best solution to this. And I can speak to that from experience. I'm now running the pure Tesla kit in my car. It's been bulletproof for I've what about two and a half years maybe I've had it now. So go to puretesla.com slash RTL if you'd like to order their kit. It's 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. If you wanna go a little bigger, there's a 256 gig kit for $69. Both of them, whichever one you choose, comes fully formatted and ready to go right out of the package, straight into the car. And it's shipped free anywhere in the United States as well, which is nice. So again, check it out, puretesla.com slash RTL. They also sell some slimline Super Nintendo inspired wireless game controllers if you do like to do some gaming in your Tesla as well. Uh, Jada, Jada's always got good stuff too. Their product line is very impressive. I have a couple of their things in my car. For instance, I have the wireless charging pad because I have an older Model 3 that doesn't have it built in. So if you're like me, I really genuinely highly recommend the Jada wireless pad. It's excellent. It looks stock and it's high quality, it works, there's no tools to install it, it's great. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. I also have the Jada tray in my car, which just drops right into your center console, splits it horizontally, and it functions as a tech-focused center console organizer, and it will uh, wirelessly charge your Apple AirPods or Pixel Buds or your Apple Watch. It's pretty cool. And then for the newer Teslas, there's the USB hub console for the newer threes and Ys with the revised center console. That is a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger, AirPod charger, everything in one. So if any of that is appealing to you, please go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A, and use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount there. If you are not already subscribing slash following the podcast on your favorite podcast service, I encourage you to do that so that you don't have to remember to go find the show every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. It will just automatically push out to you. You can subscribe slash follow on all the big podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, or I'm also on YouTube, just an audio only form. And that if you're on, if you're on YouTube and wanting to listen there, just search ride the lightning Tesla 
on YouTube so that you pull up my podcast and not a Metallica song or a Metallica album. And with that, uh, let me finally here mention the Patreon. This is the part of the podcast where if you humor me for a moment, I'd like to mention uh, and, and humbly ask that you might check out my Patreon page at some point which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And Patreon is a way to support the creators you love in an ongoing way. So the pledges start at just five bucks a month, and there are higher tiers from there, and each tier has different, newer, more perks, because those, those perks stack. So if you go with the maximum plaid tier which is the one where you get to participate in the monthly Zoom hangout and you get your name shouted out at the end every week and you get the monthly bonus episode and you get the early access. So it all stacks as you go up. But I do put a lot of time, love, and energy into this. And I do it every single week, which I'm really proud of. I am here, as if you've been listening for a while, you've you've looked and noticed, maybe you haven't noticed, but hopefully you have, that I don't miss a week, and that's by design. I feel like, you know, I've got to earn your trust, I've got to earn your support, and I've got to be here reliably in order to do that. So if at some point you feel like, you know what, Ryan, yes, I now is the time. I'm going to back you on Patreon. I appreciate the podcast. You can do that again at patreon.com slash Podcast. But if not, hey, I get it. It's, uh, I'm always here. The show's always going to be free. So it's, I don't paywall anything. It's just extra bonus perk stuff that's there for you on the Patreon as a way for me to say thank you for supporting me on Patreon. That will about wrap it up. I am on Twitter and Instagram, same handle in both places, DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, the Instagram is all Tesla all the time. The Twitter is a little bit of Tesla, but admittedly mostly video game stuff with a little sports mixed in. So, you know, if, if either of those appeal or not to you, just uh, that's the fair warning on both. It's <laughs> If you just want the Tesla stuff, follow me on Instagram. And again, you can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And before I go, this is, of course, the part of the podcast where I do mention and thank the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. These are the most generous folks of all. Everybody that backs me on Patreon is definitely being generous because it's it's voluntary. There's nothing forcing you to, to pay any money. So I want to thank everybody that backs me on Patreon, but especially starting with the Plaid level supporters. They are George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, and Peter. And then the Maximum Plaid backers, thank you very much. 
to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, John Schmidt, The Galpin Family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrode, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, and Paul Casarino. Finally, another big thank you goes out to the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago. Lawton, I had a great time chatting with you one-on-one. The, the Roadster and Space Tier folks get all the perks and a monthly one-on-one hangout with me should they elect to take it uh, most or some or all months. And I just had a great chat with Lawton. Uh, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith also chatted with Howard, actually, this past weekend as well. Victoria Ayacaveto and Tesla Hitchhiker 42. And with that, that brings us to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 346, recorded early, which means the Patreon backers get it extra early, but it was still a full week. Boy, there was a lot that went on in the world of Tesla this week. And again, if I happen to miss anything that drops on Friday... I will cover it in detail, as always, next week on episode 347. But for now, I have got a snoozing Daisy the Boxer to my left, and I've got to start winding down for bed myself to get ready for a Friday tomorrow. But wherever you are and whenever you're listening, I hope you are healthy, happy, safe, and I wish you happy electric motoring, and I will see you in one week's time. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.